Jessica, and this is ATC Presents Deba K Rambles, where a couple of friends review Korean dramas. On a very special episode, I have my guest today, Alex from the Holly Bin Podcast. How are you, Alex? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. How are you I doing? I am so happy for you to be here. We have been very <laughs> friendly all over the socials for a while now, and I'm just so excited to have a fellow podcaster on <laughs> and to talk about a very special drama. It is the very first Saguk, aka historical K-drama that we're covering on the Debak K-Rambles podcast ever. So I just wanted to break it in with a wonderful guest who was willing and able to watch a Saguk. <laughs> that is not everyone's cup of tea. Um, if you don't know Alex, she has her own podcast, a K-drama podcast or Hollywood podcast, and she is just wonderful. Please go give her podcast a listen. Please go give it a follow all over the socials as well. Alex, what was your introduction to K-dramas? Uh, so my introduction was one that I think uh, was one for a lot of other people. It was Boys Over Flowers. <gasps> <laughs> Yes. But I didn't watch it until like the end of 2018. So I was like way oh, late nuts. to the game. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you watched it almost a decade after it was aired. Yes. I, uh, nice. I was actually in, in grad school. So I was working full time and doing um, grad school. And I was it was online, but my school got hit by a hurricane. So we were out of class for like a month. It was my last semester. <laughs> Wait, what, what hurricane was this? Because I live in Florida. It, North Carolina. Uh, I oh, don't, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. So it was You're Wilmington. On the East Coast. Yeah. So Got I you. I don't remember which one it was, what the name of it was, but it was one of those, like, I, I was I'm, I was in North Carolina at the time, but I was inland, so it was fine. Um, okay, yeah. But, like, obviously my school wasn't, like, it, Wilmington got hit really hard. Like, you couldn't even get in for the longest time. Right. And so no school for a month, and that was the first time in almost two years I had free time. So I was like, I don't know what to do. And I had, like, <laughs> ju- just gotten Netflix, and I was like, you know what? I had heard of Boys Over the Flowers from the from like the manual or the manga or whatever. Yes. So it's like right. I'm I'm gonna watch this. And then at the same time was when Meteor Garden was airing. Oh shit, that's right. The yeah. Chinese uh remake. Yes. So I literally went from from Boys Over Flowers, like binged it because it was amazing, even you know, in twenty eighteen. <laughs> it was it was okay. so good. Like it's it's bad, like it's cheesy, but it's great. And <laughs> and I went straight from that to like Meteor Garden. <laughs> And that's such. such a big step up, too. <laughs> like, it is, like, but then it's the garden. same story over again. It's the same exact story. <laughs> but they made some improvements. It's like surgical cuts. It's yeah. just very good, very well done. And I can't believe you just hop skipped to, like, you know, it's hard. I, I don't think I made the jump to, like, a Mandarin language drama for, like, years. It took me oh, a long really? time to. Yeah. Oh. It was it wasn't immediate. Like, you you made the jump real fast. <laughs> I, I jumped shit from Korean dramas, like, immediately. So with that, and I just went through, like, um, Taiwanese dramas for a while, like, for a long oh, time. Oh, well, the Taiwanese <laughs> dramas are, like, whole other ballgame. Yeah, so, nice. Yeah, so I, I did that, and it wasn't until I got into K-pop later that I kind of went back to the Korean dramas. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, full circle. <laughs> full circle. Love it. Um, yeah, so if you if you don't know about Kate Boys Over Flowers, I highly recommend you go research it. I'm not sure that I would, to, to this day, I'm not sure if I would say watch Boys Over Flowers, but it is foundational for so many people. Foundational for me. It was like my second K-drama ever. And I came out of that drama loving it, and I was madly in love with Lee Min-ho. Right? I mean. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, so there's if if I was a tree, that would definitely be a ring on the tree. It's like the Lee Min Ho 
the, the Lulu era. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still in that era. Um, oh, good. Okay. <laughs> I love to hear it. Um, thank you so much for giving your background on K drama. I am going to ask this of more guests as they come on because I think that's always a fun question to ask. How did you even get here? <laughs> because it's it's never like a natural like. Well, I was watching Once Upon a Time on ABC Family, and then uh, they showed a K-drama right after the show ended, and it's very natural. No, it never. it's not like that. Not that easy. Um, again, I'm going to go into some housekeeping really fast before we get started. So if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We are so happy that you are here to join us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you like us, please give us a review and a five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Come and say hi on social media. I run wilds on the socials. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at ATC Debak Pod. And lastly, if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It is such a great way for you, get to, for you to get involved and to show your support. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. And thank you to our patrons, Janet, Curtis, Robin, and Bale. You guys are wonderful. All right, so we're going to get started talking about the synopsis and the air date and all that for The Crowned Clown. So I'll read the My Drama List synopsis. I have cut it down tremendously because it was <laughs> long and weirdly written. So here's here it goes. Chawson is in a state of disorder due to uprisings and a power struggle surrounding King Ian to avoid assassination. A clown named Hassan, who looks almost identical to the king, is brought to the palace to take his place. Now Hassan is nervous that someone in the palace will find out he is not the real king. He falls in love with the beautiful queen, Yusawun. So The Crown Clown originally aired from January to March 2019. It's 16 episodes long, and I believe you both watched it on Netflix, so it's currently available on Netflix if you want to watch it yourself. It has uh, Kim Hee-won as the director. She is a very prolific director because she's directed Vincenzo, Soundtrack Number 1, and Little Women, which is currently airing right now in the year 2022. And actually, we just covered Vincenzo like an episode or two ago in this current season that we're on. So that's wonderful. You could just scroll back in your podcast feed and listen to another Kim Yuan drama. Uh, the Ground Clown was written by Kim Sun-duk, and there's not much info on the screenwriter. I think that he wrote another saga but it's quite unclear so i'm not gonna go ahead and say like he wrote this i don't know and it's co-written by shin Haun. she is a wonderful screenwriter who wrote hometown cha 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 from 2021 so i kind of get the feeling that kim sunduk brought a lot of the historical and saga aspect of it and then shin Haun wrote probably a lot of the more tender moments throughout the show because of how her work on hometown cha-cha-cha that's just the vibe that i get it's very good the drama. show stars <laughs> yes hometown cha-cha-cha definitely watch it the show stars yojingu as hasun and king ihun he's been in about 13 movies including hawaii a monster boy which is an action sus- action suspense thriller with an all-star cast and he's been in about 25 tv shows He's played pretty much every ver- younger version of an actor you could possibly think of, and he was a prolific child actor. So it's kind of weird for a lot of people to see him grown up and play more mature roles. We did cover a Yajingu drama last season on Debak, and that was Beyond Evil. 
So that was a 2021 drama. I think for 2022, people might recognize him from Link, Eat, Love, Kill. You might recognize him from Hotel de Luna, My Absolute Boyfriend, a lot of dramas. He's very, he's got a very well-known face, I would feel like. You could probably be like, oh, it's it's that guy. <laughs> His co-star is Lee Young as she plays Queen Seoun, also a child actor. And she's been in dramas since 2002. And you might see her recently in The Red Sleeve from 2021, which was up for a bunch of Baeksang Awards and was really well received critically and uh, commercially. And recently, I think she's on the currently airing drama, The Law Cafe. Are you watching The Law Cafe? I'm not. I've never yeah, even heard of I. it. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not going to knock you for watching a currently airing drama. I am constantly trying to play catch up. So, yeah, I that's a whole other story for a lot of K-drama watchers. But Issa Young is a great actress. Um, the supporting actors, I'll go through two of them. Because there's a lot of actors in this drama, but just two of them. Kim Sang-kyung as chief secretary. And he's been in like 19 movies, uh, including The Pirates of the Last Royal Treasure from this year, 2022. And I think this is pretty big. He starred in Memories of Murder from 2003. He played Detective So Tae-yoon. Big, big deal. Um, <laughs> he's been in about 14 TV shows, including most recently Racket Boys from 2021. And then we also have Kwon Hae-hyo as Shin Shisu, the left state chancellor, <laughs> Buzz, buzzword in any saga drama. Uh, he's another crazy great ajushi of K-drama and K-cinema. He's been in about 52 movies. He's been acting since the 90s. I think I saw him last in Peninsula from 2020, which is the Train to Busan sequel. And then he's been in 47 K-dramas, <laughs> uh, including Winter Sonata from 20, 2002. My name is Kim Samsung with Hyunbin from 2005. Cain and Abel, which is such an underrated K-drama to me. He's been in Lie to Me, which was my first K-drama ever. Jealousy Incarnate, Search, WWW from 2019, which we also covered this season on the pod. DP on Netflix, that's a 2021 drama. And I think most recently, Forecasting Love and Weather from this year, 2022. Did you watch All that right. one? No. No, I did not. <laughs> I so I, <laughs> Sometimes my tone gives away like how I feel. But I'm not a Song Kong person. So it takes me a while to go through his filmography if I even like get there. Um, <laughs> and then Pak Mignon, I was like, I, you know, whatever. She's doing like the same thing over and over i love her and i actually am a little bit of a weather nerd so i was like super excited about it and i made it like oh. four episodes before i dropped it <laughs> oh shit okay so i'm i'm okay in yeah. thinking yeah you no, know I, for it was, a rainy day maybe post hurricane because i've watched her uh k-dramas post hurricanes and those are such a weird emotional <laughs> state that you're in but you're watching a k-drama okay so we are on the other side of who's behind the camera and who's in front of the camera alex Tell me, what are your general thoughts on The Crown Clown? So the first episode took me three weeks to watch because I hated it. And I actually ended up really enjoying the show somehow. Oh, okay, nice. All right. <laughs> the The first episode was miserable to get through. But after that, um, I think all the side characters are what sold it for me. Like, honestly, mm. like, I, I love Yo Jingu. Like, he was 
one of the first actors that I probably recognized in movies or in dramas because I I watched Hotel Del Luna and uh, Absolute Boyfriend like back to back. And, oh, okay. So. <laughs> and I was like, because I really liked him. And I was like, this is great. And that was also my introduction to IU. I had no idea who she was in Hotel Del Luna. What? Right? Right? <laughs> IU, the fairy goddess queen. Right? Okay. No idea. I was like, oh, oh she's my. great. I love her. And then everyone was like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's IU. <laughs> so yeah, I, was, no. I was really excited because I, I'm not a big, like, like historical drama person anyway. But uh-huh, I was like, it's uh-huh. Yojin Gu. It's fine. And and No. No, he did not carry the show for me at all. Um, <laughs> really? Okay. So, um, the the character development of like the the side characters, though, when getting to know them, I just I loved it. It was they're so good. Mm-hmm. Like like Eunuch Joe was adorable. <laughs> yes. So there's some people that you're like you leave a drama and you're like they are some of the heart of the show. He was. And he was so Eunuch cute. Joe, was adorable. I would die for that man. He is lovely. Just absolutely wonderful. <laughs> okay, so you were sold on the side characters, weren't really, even though you loved Yodingu, you were not sticking around to finish the show necessarily for him. No. His acting was cool. great. Like, absolutely. Like, being able to play two characters and make them feel like two different characters is such a hard thing mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. But, but I just, I hated both the characters. well let me ask it like why did you hate those characters because he is playing two different dudes (laughs) so so the og king um i don't remember his name now uh uh, lee hun um yeah he without getting too much into spoilers he's just kind of a jerk all around (laughs) like no matter what he was mean to literally everybody and i'm Mm -hmm. like i'm just not here for the toxicity (laughs) like yeah, it's it's sort of it makes sense. Like as you kind of get to know more of like what's going on, it makes sense. Um, which yeah. is why I, I think it got better for me towards the later in the show when you start to figure out everything out a little bit more. But like in the first episode, where it's just like he's just like doing his thing, killing a lot of people, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this is pointless. Um, okay, <laughs> I see. Yeah. You weren't quite gelling with like the political no, side. Not of- at all. Okay, and and then for like Hassan, he. He got better towards the end, but it was like, I, I don't know what it was about him, but it was just like, he was just kind of like doing things that didn't make sense and not always listening to people and, and then just, which I mean, I, I guess it fits his character. Like, like it, it makes sense, but I just didn't like it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, I, everybody's infatuated with him for some reason. And I just wasn't like in the show, like people were like, oh, I kind of love you. You're great. And I'm like, is he? <laughs> Ooh, okay. So let's put a put a bookmark yeah. on that because I really yeah. want to dissect that. But uh, for my general thoughts, I thought this was one of the best sagooks I have ever watched in my life. <laughs> I loved it. You got me so worried because you were sending me messages saying <clears throat> it took me three weeks to finish episode one. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I hadn't started it yet. And I was so worried. I was like, oh, shit. What am I going to do? I don't have like three weeks to, <laughs> to just spend on one episode. So I was like really bugging. So I watched this show within a week, <laughs> all 16 episodes within a week. Took me no time, had no issues getting through the episodes. Episode one was, I found, a very great episode. <laughs> really good. Ended on a cliffhanger, showed you everything you needed to know. 
uh, all the players involved, the factions or the political aspects that are at play here. And I think ultimately I was sold on this, this story that's basically inspired by Mark Twain's The Prince and the Pauper. Right, yeah, like that, makes that sense. is yeah. the <laughs> blueprint where someone is replacing another person. There's doppelgangers involved, and even though it's kind of one sided because uh, the king doesn't replace the clown, you know what I'm saying? That would have been one sided. <laughs> that would have been. You know what? That would have been a way to write the show. But anyway, yeah. they didn't do that. It was just one sided. Really liked. Um, Yojingu's acting in yeah, this. No, his I acting was, was blown incredible. Away, <laughs> blown away by his acting. I thought that he just had so much versatility. One side of him was alarming and unhinged, and then the other <laughs> side was incredibly endearing and righteous. And I think the scenes that really spoke to me for his performance were the ones where he was acting against himself. And there were precious yes. few of them, but they were so captivating to watch. Him playing off of himself, which again, they parent trap that somehow because there's <laughs> yeah. no way that he's in the same frame at the same time. So it's really cool because he's probably playing off of nothing when he's filming it. But then they, you know, CGI, superimposed, whatever, both yeah. of them in post. And it's just really cool to <laughs> see him play this really crazy king who actually existed like a lot of these characters and politicians are based on real life politicians of yore <laughs> in korea so i caught i was like oh my god now it's like semi-historically accurate not historically accurate with the with the clown taking over the king's spot like it doesn't that's not <laughs> part of the history but i do like when i like when saguk's take a seed of like a story in history and blow it out of proportions. And that's what this show is. I didn't have that much issue with the political aspects. I find that over time, I have gotten a lot more comfortable with palace politics and <laughs> etiquette and all that crap that's in the historical dramas. If you had asked me 10 years ago what I thought of this drama or whatever and you made me watch it back then, I probably wouldn't be so up on it because of all of the political machinations that are happening throughout the show. Yeah, I However, think that was a lot of my problem is I've only watched like two or three other like historical oh, dramas. Okay, <laughs> all right. So let me know if you had any questions later on in the spoiler section because I can try and answer them for you. I was trying to figure out stuff too, but then I was like, I had this thought in my head. I was like, man, I don't know if Alex has watched a lot of Sagooks. Maybe this is like a, like tough. Anyway, we can talk about that later. But, you know, one thing that I know 10 years ago I would have liked as much as I loved today was the romance between <laughs> Hassan and the queen. Um, What did you think of that? I felt really bad for the queen early on when, when it was like she doesn't really know what she's getting into. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Because like right. she's she was clearly like falling for him, but I wasn't sure how it was going to end. So I was like, this is going to maybe devastate her at some point. Um, hmm. <laughs> so I felt really bad yes. for her on that end. But the actual like romance, it's romance itself. I'm I'm a sucker for romance. So I was here for it. <laughs> I was here. I was like eating it up. Like it was a five course meal. It was wonderful. <laughs> I loved Issa Young as the queen. I had only mm -hmm. seen her before in the Red Sleeve, which is another saga from uh, a recent saga. And I was like, 
She is amazing in the red sleeve. Incredible show, incredible performance. And I thought when I saw her as a queen in this show, I was like, what is homegirl going to do? Because she has, in my personal bias opinion or whatever, she has huge shoes to fill and they're her own shoes. So I was like, <laughs> what am I going to do if she's like not good, if she's not that good in this? She was oh. great. She was great. She was a wonderful queen. I found her character so quiet, graceful, gentle, sweet, dignified, and all mm-hmm. these aspects that sometimes in sagas you don't have a love interest that meets all of these like <laughs> wonderful criteria. Mm-hmm. You know, she was very intelligent and intuitive, especially when it came to palace affairs and etiquette. And ultimately, I admired how she had a way with words. I found that she was a great sweet talker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she had the most romantic things to say. I was like, homegirl, he is whipped already. You don't need to do all this. Like, this is extra. And it was just beautiful, beautiful. Um, I think that to your point to talk about some of the other side characters, I found that in general, most of the characters were painted in shades of gray. Mm-hmm. There were not like black and white good and bad characters. I think on the surface there are. But if you look a little closer, you're like, wow, these people have valid motivations. Or they have a really interesting backstory that makes them interesting to juxtapose against the other person that's on the good, you know, quote unquote team for the, you know, clown. And I love that about the show, that you can you can chew on the fat a little bit mm-hmm. on the other side characters and not just East Eog- Oh my God, I'm messing up his name. Hassan's clown <laughs> character and his doppelganger, the king. I, f- I think the last couple of things that I'll say is that I, <laughs> I found this show to be kind of, how do I put it? Like it was kind of like a loss of innocence story in more ways than one. And that's really compelling to me. I don't feel like K-dramas necessarily are known for painting pictures of like loss of innocence and, um, you know, learning trial by fire and uh, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's usually the person is the protagonist is good from the beginning and they just have a lot of hardships, but they're still good throughout. And sometimes in this show, That's not the case. Like they go through a lot of moral quandaries and they have they ask a lot of questions of themselves and of others. So I found that really great. You know, in in any (laughs) drama, that's a good thing. Right. Mm -hmm. No, I I agree. I think they did a really good job of that. And and like you said, with the shades of gray on the characters, I'm I'm a sucker for a gray character. Like it's one of those. It's like you character can technically go either way it's not always clear that they're gonna stay on like one side or the other and it like Mm. would make sense for them to jump ship somehow or have some sort of ulterior motive that even if it's not like the main villain side if all of a sudden they go rogue somewhere else like like i could have easily seen that happen quite a few times Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) i think something that bothered a lot of people about the show is that and i didn't mind this though was that it feels like a two-act show The first eight episodes is kind of one story and then something happens at the end of episode eight, like around that time. And then the last half of the show is a whole different act with kind of a different goal. And I like that about the show. I I think it made sense for that to happen, though. Yes, I do, too. (laughs) I think the big thing that we're trying not to talk about 
is kind of granted in the narrative of the show. Like you just kind of think, yeah, this was going to happen at some point. But I think a lot of people found that when that happened, it like lost some of the dramatic tension. It found it elsewhere. <laughs> that's what I was, I was like. Yeah, that they, they gained it elsewhere. So that's yeah. not, it wasn't an issue for me, but a lot of people found an issue with that. Yeah. I, I think um, maybe if I didn't oh, go for binge it. it all in like three days, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I might have had more of an issue if I was dragging it out and like had like a week in between episodes to process mm, and, right. and notice that like difference between like episode eight and, and nine like that transition mm-hmm. already but i i feel like watching it all almost like a really long movie it just made sense how it shifted and and right. that didn't bother me either like i honestly didn't even notice <laughs> yeah yeah uh like i said romance was wonderful the score on this show was stunning to me i'm a huge like movie soundtrack uh score nerd or whatever and so when a k-drama has a good score i'm like i sit up straight like i'm like oh my god they're actually doing something it's not just ost like this is orchestral score you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. did you feel any type of way about the ost or the score (laughs) so with the ost i didn't i only noticed one song that actually had vocals on it like only one of them like normally i'm all about the osts and i i own quite a few and so i was like Oh, like when that one song hit, I was like, oh, wait a second. There's been no vocals. But I ha- did take some notes on on like the score itself. There were some songs that were giving me Pirates of the Caribbean vibes, which took me out a little bit. Okay, so you were getting Hans Zimmer, <laughs> yeah. Klaus Bedelt vibes from it. Yeah, right. and I was like, I don't know where this is coming from. And then every time there was tension, the, the score they would use for that sounds like the Among Us sound. Like the near. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, nice <laughs> notes. I like those comparisons. And so outside of that, like I, I thought the songs fit very well. It was just yeah. like a few things that kept taking me out a little bit, like like the Among Us noise. <laughs> like, like I never, I don't, I didn't get that. But I'm not, I am not really familiar with Among Us. So I'll uh, I'll see if I can sad. clip it out of like the the drama and like go find it in like Do Among it. Us. Yes, and send it to send you. Send it to me. Yeah, <laughs> because it just it so tripped me up had- so much. <laughs> Oh, damn. What tri- okay, so what tripped me up was in the score, they had a love theme, and it was stunning, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But what, as soon as they started playing it, the melody was recognizable to me, and I was like, where the hell have I heard this before? I was going nuts. I'm talking like 3 a.m. I'm trying to get Google to recognize what this um, this melody is. Playing it on like an, a keyboard piano app on my phone, like trying to like figure it out. I was like, have I heard this in another score before? Is it a classical piece of music? I finally figured it out. So the love theme they used was Franz Schubert's Serenade, oh. which is a classical mm-hmm. piece of music from the 1800s. And I lost my shit because, you know, it's been a couple of days of just like mania Trying to figure out where the score is from, where they took it from, where is it from, all this stuff. Finally, I I find it. And then it's on YouTube with like 61 million views on this like on this YouTube video of Schubert's Serenade. As soon as I start playing, I'm like, like, I almost start crying. Like, I was like, that's it. That's the love theme. A lot of people might recognize the love theme, though, because it's associated with the classic Four Seasons K-drama Summer Scent with Sung Hoon Young and 
Yejin Song. That's a very old, not very old, but it's a classic K-drama from back in the day. And I conveniently have never watched Summer Sense. So <laughs> I did not have any issues associating, uh, you know, the Schubert song with their love theme in this show. In fact, I really liked how they kind of added and changed the song a bit to fit, you know, this show. And how they they didn't just stick Schubert's song in there. They re-recorded it, you know, for the show. And I was in love with it. I am so happy that I found where the melody is from. And you can look it up yourself. Um, the entire score is available on Spotify, which is how I like no, I found it. And I was like, where this is when I, the mania started. Because I was like, okay, I hear the melody and I can't <laughs> find it. Anyway, that's beside the point. Anyway. <laughs> Um, let me give you some fun facts about the show, and then we can give our ratings, and then we can dive into spoilers. How does it sound? Sounds good. <laughs> okay. So, there is a very, very professional, uh, you know, well-researched list on Wikipedia that gives you the highest-rated series on cable television for K-dramas, and The Crown Clown is sitting at number 24. So it's the 24th highest rated series on cable televisions, which is really good. Had high ratings throughout. Um, I mentioned Prince and the Popper. So the whole show, Crown Clown, is a remake of the 2012 movie Masquerade starring Lee Byung-un. And the queen in that movie is played by Han Hyo-ju from, uh, where's Han Hyo-ju from? W. The oh. leading lady from W. Yeah. So <laughs> I conveniently have watched that movie and it is excellent, I can tell you. So if you are not fully want to, if you don't want to fully commit to Crown Clown right now and you just want to get a taste of what the story is, you can always watch this two hour movie, which won best film and director at the 49th Beck Sang Awards. It is an excellent movie. Highly recommend it. I might have to go watch it now. <laughs> Definitely watch it. It's good. I remember thinking, like, this is cool. I vividly remember watching the movie and going, this is cool. This is a cool <laughs> movie. And, like, well done. Um, almost everyone, like I said before, except for the clown, Hassan, <laughs> is based on a real historical figure of the Chosun period. And I have in my notes, I said, this is a question to myself. Did this win any awards? Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> it did. It did win awards at the 55th Baekseong Arts Awards. Yojingu was nominated for Best Actor, and actually didn't win. He didn't win, so it was just sad. But anyway, Kim Sang Kyung, which who he played uh, Chief Secretary Haksan, he was also nominated for Best Supporting Actor, <clears throat> which is great. So they were nominated. They were. It's just an honor to be nominated, just like it's an honor to be nominated for an Oscar. Um. I wish that they had won. <laughs> uh, and I think that's all for my fun facts. Um, what would you rate this drama out of five soju bottles? Three and a half, I think. Three and a half. Okay. Yeah. I am going to rate it 4.5 for soju bottles out of five. I loved this show. I had a great time with it. I think that... If you like political shows and you're definitely going to like it, if you're a fan of really good, sweet, humble romances, <laughs> then you're going to like this show. And if you like Yojingu, there is nothing that I can say that will deter you from watching the <laughs> show. You should definitely watch it. This is like a masterclass performance from Yojingu. I swear. 
Okay, so with that, I think we're going to get into spoilers right after this. Hey, you want to come in? All right, Alex, we're on the other side of spoilers, so anything goes. Where would you like to start about this show and talking all things spoilers? Oh, gosh. Um... The ending is what's fresh on my mind, but I, I kind of want to start Okay, let's beginning. talk about the ending. So <laughs> let's talk about this. I also had um, some qualms with this ending, which is why I gave the show a 4.5 instead of a five stars. The ending, and I mean ending as in the final 20 or so minutes of the show. Yes. <laughs> Not the full hour, because the full no. there's nothing wrong with the full hour. It's just the last like 20, 15, 20 minutes of the show. It was a bit agonizing because I didn't think they'd necessarily go that route. I mean, to me, it almost felt like what else could they possibly throw at us? It's the Mm -hmm. same. To me, it was almost the same as if you're cooling down after a workout. You're trying to get your heart rate down. You're stretching. You're doing all this. And then the trainer comes in out of nowhere and is like, (laughs) drop and give me 20. That's what the last 20 minutes of the show felt like. Because like, for what? Why did they have to go that far? Yeah. I, they had me yeah, they had so, me i was so happy with like how it was wrapping up and then it was like yes wait <laughs> yeah <laughs> wait what <laughs> yeah that's exactly how i felt too i felt that they were going about it the right way they had you know i will accept a bit of a time jump they had he ruled for what maybe like a year or yeah. so they kind of made it seem like it was only a short period of time but it could have been longer. It was kind of vague. I think it was he, about a year because uh, they yeah. had talked about um, uh, at one point when the Gising, uh, yeah. I can't remember her name, but when she was uh, yeah. leaving at the end to go they somewhere else. Three years. Three years, yeah. Exactly. So, so that's why I'm thinking it was only a year. Yeah. So he ruled in peace and prosperity for like a year. Then he leaves the throne to another royal who is kind and shares his values whatever honestly solid move (laughs) solid move no i have no issues with that move he never meant to pass on his bloodline anyway he says which i found kind of like odd because i'm like whatever you're you're there already you know what i'm saying (laughs) it's almost like you're at a you're at a theme park and you're like i'm not gonna ride that ride i I have no intentions of riding the best ride here i think it fits his character (laughs) though of like he came he fixed everything and he peaced out he what I liked was that he left the throne, the monarchy better than how he found it, Yes, which I found really just in line with his character. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like you said, um, <laughs> the queen is dethroned, which is fine. She wanted it. I, then I had a problem abdicates. with that because really? yeah, because they made such this big fuss about being dethroned. And then like you're, they okay, kind of yeah, glossed over right. it where they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. We're going to let that happen so, and then move on. And the I feel reasoning like- <laughs> was solid, though, because yeah. she wasn't dethroned necessarily for anything that she did wrong. I think he probably dethroned her because she could no longer have children, which is a very valid reason in back in Chosun Dynasty to mm-hmm. dethrone a queen because he wanted a valid uh, heir. Yeah, I just anyway. So he dethroned her. I feel like she he wanted it because she. Yeah, she said. The reason she was like, okay, dethrone me first. Yeah. And he was like, what? He kind of had this look like, <laughs> no. And she was like, if you leave and you leave me here without being dethroned, I will become the queen dowager and I will never get to leave the palace. We will never be together. Yeah. So like, I was like, okay, valid. The logic, the logic behind it makes sense. I just feel like 
they skipped over a lot of drama that would have happened between her uh, yeah. being dethroned and him just abdicating. Like between- it was a very easy dethronement. Yeah. I'll give you that. I will it was give like you that. All of that. that they were like, meh. Okay, we're gonna get yeah, ten like, seconds okay. to this. <laughs> he desperately tried to keep her on the throne, not have her dethroned. Yeah for 16 episodes and then the last 20 minutes she was like okay go ahead do it <laughs> it was uh, a little bit like mm, okay anyway then he abdicates yeah which also wasn't a big deal <laughs> wasn't a big deal he wanted it. they had they gave him a lot of reverence and the big walk out out of the palace was great i don't know if you noticed when he's walking out and there's uh, this giant plaza expansive stone plaza that he's walking down he's walking in the direct center of it mm-hmm. And he makes a point of stepping off the center path that he's on and onto like the regular, you know, area. Mm-hmm. And what he's doing is stepping off the king's path. Yes. So and I, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. Symbolic moment for him. And I don't think a lot of people would necessarily know that if they hadn't watched a few sagas. But I found that very powerful where he was like, oh, wait, let me stop and be. It was. Him turning into a regular citizen again. And then he exits and he's dressed in plain clothes and all this stuff. It's great. On his way to the queen. <laughs> this is when it gets bad. He atta- He's attacked by a gaggle of soldiers who wanted to avenge the queen dowager. And it's a mess. Like the royal guard officer, uh, Jang, I think is his name. Yeah. He dies trying to save him because that that was the way he wanted to go as well. He's like, I want to die, like protecting you. I want to have this honorable death and all this shit. He had it. Fine. Give it to him. I cried over that, though. I loved him so much. Oh, my God. He was great. He had a great arc, too, because, you know, initially he's throughout the show. He's very loyal and very, very stoic, which is the blueprint for a bodyguard in the royal palace. But he does take orders that he ends up, you know, negating or going against. Mm-hmm. And he tries to kill him at one point, he, like dumps him in the pit out in the middle of nowhere in the wild. And then he goes and picks <laughs> him up and he doesn't kill him, which is what the OG crazy king wanted. Mm-hmm. The doppelganger wanted. And ultimately he goes through, you know, speaking to him casually, not using honorifics to using honorifics with him and accepting him as the king and really showing loyalty, fealty to Hassan, which is beautiful, a great arc for the guy. And that's why he follows him out of the palace. Yeah. And it's like, you go, are you going to leave me behind? And it was like very <laughs> emotional. And you're just, he's like, they were just like looking at each other in that moment. And then these fucking fools come out of the <laughs> brush and are just like, for the queen dowager. And you're like, for what? Why? <laughs> out of nowhere. So... The guard dies. Yeah. We're all I'm heartbroken. Super upset. Hassan gets shot by two arrows in the back, keels over, time jump two years later. <laughs> I was like, no, they did not do this to us. When they did the time jump, I knew he was going to survive, but it was just like, really? We're going to well, do this? Even in, <laughs> even in the time jump, I thought that they would not do us so dirty that the way they did because- you see the queen walking around this village, or the deposed queen or whatever, yeah. walking around the village, having a good time. The clowns are in town, and you see his sister and his, you know, friend, uncle, whatever, whatever you want to call him, mm-hmm. um, also doing the show in the town. And she's very emotional, gives gives away a couple of rings that she had, jade rings, and 
she's like, oh, you reminded me of my loved one, my beloved. (laughs) And I thought when she went home, he would be there or something like that. She would be looking at his compass, the one that she gave him, and he would walk in the room, like something like that. Nope, she just cries. (laughs) She just cries because he is legitimately missing in action. They never found his body. And as soon as they said they never found his body, I was like, this is the dumbest shit that they could have pulled in the final 20, like 15 minutes of the show. I wish they had at least explained better where he was for two years because it was kind of like, time passed. I was unconscious. It made no sense. Like, what? What is the protocol when you find an injured man in the wild? Uh, you can't. Where, is there a hospital or something that he's been staying at for two years? Based on the K dramas so, I watch, you just kind of take him in and deal with it, and don't look for like his family. Do- <laughs> I'm not sure who was rendering care to him for two years for him to just be okay. He made it seem like. I was asleep or something for all this time. And then when I woke up, I was too weak to run back to you, which I thought was funny. I was like, is that implying that he had physical therapy in the Chosun (laughs) dynasty so that he can walk his way back to his girl? It was they try to make it, I guess, fall in line with what they had promised each other before, which was. Uh, he ended up taking the long way round, which was that was the quote from her. She was like, "Even if you take the long way round, I'll still be here for you." Yeah, but they, they didn't like, need to. <laughs> they did not. He did not need to take the long way round. Okay, like these. We, this was dumb. we went through enough over sixteen episodes. <laughs> there was no need for them to pull this like dirty trick. I thought this was dirty. Yeah, I was. I wasn't a fan. Dirty when it was like to the- two year gap and then he wasn't there i was like really <laughs> really so she sat around and just like pined for like somebody who she had to assume was dead but was never going to be sure because there wasn't a body so <laughs> they're like we found master we found officer chang but we didn't find him we didn't find the king and i was like you're shitting me get the fuck out of here i was livid i was like oh my god they did not just do this so anyway the ending points taken for the fi- literally the final 20 minutes or so of the show yeah we're on the same page sir um i think that we have to talk about the romance though now that we've already like talked through the <laughs> ending of them because they do have a technically happy ending yes they end up together he does like return yeah, I wasn't sure just after for a long time they the, were going to. You know what? I feel the same way. I was kind of like, this could end badly and <laughs> it would still be f- a fair, like a f- yeah. fair thing to do because the content of the show, the narrative and everything, I was like, this has a fair chance of ending <laughs> badly for both of them. They just don't end up together. But luckily they did finally end up together. He took the long way round, whatever. I said before spoiler break that I really liked the purity of the romance. There was just such a warmth and kindness and consideration that he showed toward her. And she instantly gravitated towards him because she was living like a zombie in the palace and she was not getting any warmth or kindness or consideration from the OG king. Mm Mm-hmm. And some moments between them are just so wonderful. Like he, uh, she trips over a stone 
and tries to play it off. Oh, gosh. But he notices the pebble that he she starts tripped kicking on. them. He starts <laughs> kicking all the rocks and pebbles out from the path because he's walking ahead of her. And I, I was like, this is goals. Like, this is, I can see that he was written by a woman. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to, yeah. I have a really funny note. I don't have to. <laughs> um, he ends up, oh, go ahead. Did you find it? There's in um in one of the episodes when they're hanging out in the library and he's just staring at her. Um, <laughs> and it's yeah. my note is literally just I want a boyfriend that looks at me the way he's looking at her right now. <laughs> he looked at her so preciously and tenderly and he ends up treasuring her life above his own because he ends up taking a bullet for her, so to speak. Yeah. He just reflexively shields her from the arrows because the Queen Dowager, again, just trying to murder them it's ultimately a relationship that gets built on trust and equity which i found really refreshing in a saga drama because usually there is some sort of inequality between the male and female leads and in this case even though he is playing royalty there's so much equity between them like she helps him read his reports written in chinese characters (laughs) And I'm just like, this is the cutest thing. There are no barriers between them as as there would be, there should be between them if he were a true royal. And she ends up helping with his kingly duties. Like, that's very odd for the queen Mm -hmm. to be so involved like that and just be hanging out in the king's library. (laughs) Things like that are just not usually done in the sagas. So it was very special, I think, for both of them to not only get to know each other but like get to know each other on a soul level, which was really refreshing. They start over halfway through the show, basically. Yes. She's like, what is your name? Like she had no <laughs> idea, which I feel terrible about. Um, yeah, I think that that's she, where I, I mentioned earlier, I felt really bad for her. I think it was everything yeah. leading up to like that point where I was like, this, mm-hmm. this isn't great, especially when the, the OG King comes back. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about that. So. They have all these great moments between them because he's the replacement and he's actually he's got nice. the hazelnuts <laughs> thing where he's the the queen could make her wish at the bridge and so he gave her some hazelnuts he collected. Which who has hazelnuts in their giant sleeve? It was great, like great moment of levity. And says, Oh, there's a legend that if you crunch on them, you'll startle the goblin that lives under the bridge or in your house who would then grant your wish. So that comes into play in episode 20 with the terrible ending that we don't really like. But anyway, so the hazelnuts are great. She holds on to it. It's like a token for her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone's gravitating toward Hassan. Everyone's falling in love with Hassan, which we can talk about later. You seem to be quite annoyed by that. But, <laughs> um, you know, the real king comes back like in episode seven. Ugh. And he's mad as hell. Ugh. Nearly slices everyone up. Uh, you know, Hassan gets dumped in a tiger pit up in the mountains to die. <laughs> and the real king is most upset by how the queen seems enamored by him, how her whole demeanor and her health has even improved <laughs> by being near the clown. And he fought, he's like most, he's, thinking back to interacting with the queen and the queen's like smiling lovingly at him. He's never (laughs) seen that before. And he moves up the consummation date 
before the consummation date, he had already written up his decree to dethrone her and behead her before even attending the consummation. How fucking vile is that? The whole thing, I was just like, I I hope something happens to stop this consummation because I was like, I'm going to have a major problem with the show if it goes through. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this guy sucks. Yeah. If, if he was like nice to her for like five minutes, their whole relationship would be different. Like- okay, so let's talk about this because I think that I have a different view of the OG king and his relationship with the queen because she had some good memories with him before he took the throne, right? She yeah. was saying, oh, he held my hand or whatever and comforted me when things were kind of crazy in the whole mm-hmm. sphere, sphere that they're in. And, you know, he told, promised me that, you know, we would stick together, we'd stay together, and it's just kind of like generally nice stuff. We never see a full-on flashback of him being wonderful to her, mm-hmm. but she does – it does seem like there's enough there from when they were crown prince and crown princess to carry her into this really crazy loveless marriage when he's king. So I feel really bad for her. Because not only is she stuck in a loveless marriage, but he seems to not care for her anymore the way that he used to. And there's some things that make me think maybe he still does care for her because early on they show him going to her chamber or whatever in a fit of rage. But he's there (laughs) and he tries to like kiss her and she turns away. Yeah. And instead you think that a man who's... Having hallucinations, acting crazy, is going through crazy episodes of mania and rage would just just rape her. You know what I'm saying? Like, what what does he have to lose? There's nothing stopping him. And he doesn't go so far as that. He just kind of like tells her what people think that um, it's me that doesn't want you. Who would think that it's the other way around? Mm hmm. And yeah. I found that really poignant. Like, you know, yeah. she's okay with these rumors about her because who has the power in that relationship? It's really her the whole mm-hmm. time. So, no, I so. I agree that there's some glimmers that he does care for her. Right. And, like, I'll say I, 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 he's not completely at fault either because there's a lot of, like, the, the paranoia and, and the drugs and, and all that going on that causes him to be, like, that. But then there's, like... How long did it take for him? Like, how long was he gone to detox? And he still came in as just like the most vile person I've ever seen. Bro, um. bro, let's, <laughs> let's talk about that because I was confused too. I have no experience with, not not only with drugs, but with opium in particular. Because right. it seemed like he was smoking opium, mm-hmm. completely addicted to opium. Plus, they were throwing on some incense that was giving him hallucinations. So who know where the hell they got that, like from whatever mushroom they <laughs> derived that incense from. But I felt extremely confused when, again, he's up in the mountains, completely detoxed, removed from the drugs, and he's still messed up. Yeah, I like I get the like the anger and stuff because I think at that point it's kind of become just his personality to just always be angry. But like mm. the everything else that came with it, where I was like the paranoia, some of that should have eased up. But like he literally just didn't trust anybody besides the one dude he shouldn't trust, um, mm. <laughs> the the left state <laughs> chancellor or whatever his name. It's the left state chancellor. Like, like <laughs> the guy's always a problem. Never trust that guy. 
Look, if and, you are watching a Saguk and the left state chancellor is a good guy, you're not watching a Saguk. Like, no. that's not, yeah. <laughs> it's, that's always the guy you got to watch out for. So, yeah. But yeah. yeah, and then it's like he came in and like guns blazing, mad that they did anything while he was gone. It was like, what what, what, what else? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So I there was a lot of, a little bit of questioning with his condition and how they've framed it because it seemed like once he was got off the drugs he should be okay but he he wasn't no he not was at still all. really paranoid still having hallucinations still seeing his dead little brother like craziness um speaking of the little brother that was all the way in episode one and i was pretty much heartbroken from episode one by this <laughs> this whole sequence that they had the old king dies cameo by jang hyuk <laughs> who's the old king uh, complex daddy issues here and I wasn't quite sure who everybody was because he had this queen who becomes obviously upon his death the queen dowager she's a major player throughout the rest of the, mo- the movie <laughs> the rest of the show <laughs> and you had this half brother and I thought originally that the king or the OG king we're just keep calling him the OG king <laughs> But the OG king, I thought he was a legitimate heir from the previous queen, not the current queen who becomes a queen dowager. But that wasn't the case. He was from some other concubine or oh, queen. I didn't get that at all. <laughs> yeah. So I had to I had to figure it out and look up the history. So he was not technically a legitimate heir because he came from some other concubine. But once the queen who was a baron died his dad married the queen dowager in the show who was significantly younger and produced children for him so that's why he was threatened by that little half brother at the beginning of the show because everyone considered him a legitimate heir and of course you know you have to think of the political aspect of it it's a child so you can do whatever you want like (laughs) raise the child however you want a rule in the child's stead. So everybody who wanted something was gunning for the half-brother to be enthroned. And that just didn't happen. No. (laughs) Yeah, that that upset me. That upset me a lot. It did upset me when he makes his dad beg to spare the son, like the Mm half-brother. And... You see this complex, like, emotions running across his face because you see when he's telling his his dad that's not how you ask for a favor on his deathbed. And the dad, like, gets up and is like, I can't believe. And he starts, like, you know, giving a (laughs) half-ass, a begging. (laughs) That once the king dies, he's sad. So there was anger before. And then once the king finally dies, he's upset and visibly you know, shaken by the king's death. So the very complex daddy issues happening here, (laughs) which we never quite get into. We just don't. There's not enough time for it, I guess. And there's a massive house cleaning upheaval. Chief counselor declares people traitors, whatever. The little brother's arrested, exiled, and then finally poisoned. I just so emotional and sad because he's so young. The little brother is a child completely innocent and he loves his brother and he loves his brother that's the thing it's like he loves the og king like with unconditionally there's nothing 
he doesn't know what's going on. And you just feel so much for the kid because he's getting dragged away from his mom. He doesn't know why. They're locking him up in jail. Why? He doesn't know. And when he shows up, when the OG King finally shows up, he runs out. The kid runs out and he's like, what took you so long? Like, it's just very pitiful. Yeah, that that hurt. (laughs) It hurt. And it was unclear as well if the OG King believed the lies that they told about the little kid or he just accepted them because he wanted to kill his own brother out of hate or spite. I don't know. Yeah. It's very unclear. There's a lot that happened in that first episode, a lot of murder. And I was like, I don't know who any of these people are. I'm not sure who I'm supposed to care about. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> and, and I was like, and all I see is just this, this one dude killing everybody. Yeah. My and, literal, uh, my only note for the first episode is literally the king and clown are both annoying. Oh. <laughs> I didn't go so far as to say that much, but. If I have to hear, are you not afraid of the heavens one more time, (laughs) I think I'll just flip a table because they said that so much throughout the show and especially in the first episode because that was when a lot of carnage Mm -hmm. and stuff was happening. But I do like how in the first episode they introduced, of course, Hassan and they have this big juxtaposition between the (laughs) two of them where Hassan is just so good natured and kind and fun and charismatic and... Of course, the episode ends with the meeting of the doppelgangers and you have this great sequence of the king just like getting the OG king getting up and like going to stand (laughs) close to him with the light and like the lamp in his face. They're both shocked and they the way that Yajingu is standing between the two of them, like it's vastly different. Mm -hmm. It is a very physical performance that I feel he's putting on and the demeanor, everything about like the micro, you know, mm-hmm. facial changes that he's making between the two of them. It is a completely different character that he's putting on yeah. between the OG King and Hassan. And I love how the OG King is like, repeat after me, like say this, uh, you fool, can't you play your role properly? And he ends up saying the same exact line as the King. He wants him to pretend to be him for a second. <laughs> And he says the line, like, you fool, can't you play your role properly? And even though it is the same, because it's Yojinku, like, saying mm-hmm. the same line, it is still a, a different performance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that was, even though I didn't necessarily like either characters, Yojinku just did such an amazing job of establishing that they are different people. And there's there's a lot of movies like like you mentioned like the parent trap earlier like like where it's it's very clearly the same person just just they're playing the Mm -hmm. same person twice more or less right but no he does such a good job of it doesn't like you could have told me yojin gu has like a twin and they were just both there and like i'd have been like that makes sense right like if i didn't know anything i'd be like no that's like a lot of people a lot of people thought Lindsay lohan had a twin (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's the same kind of deal here i feel like he just knocked it out of the park he did. It was like um, even just watching like the the two characters like walk, like the king had like the swagger all the time. It was really funny. I was like, I wouldn't expect him to, and like because he's a king, but mm-hmm. but like because of his personality kind of makes sense. He has more of like a swagger when he walks. Whereas yeah. um Hassan was actually more like upright and proper and I think it was because he was more unsure of himself most of the time. So he's like, I have to like be this and I'm like 
if you had like five seconds to watch the king walk around, like no, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely riveting to see the two vastly different performances, and I think that people don't talk about this a lot. Like I don't hear people talking about Yojingu and the clown and the crowned clown. No, I, I remember and, it was really popular when it was airing, and then like no one, nothing. <laughs> yeah, like where's the give the man his due? He's amazing. <laughs> I I wonder though if that's because like early. So this was 2019, right? Early. Yeah, yeah. Early 2019 was because uh, Hotel de Luna came out immediately after, and Absolute Boyfriend I think was airing at the same time. So it was like so much back to back that like everyone jumped from Crown Clown to like Hotel de Luna. Um, I think mm-hmm. so and that might because he did a really good job in that too in my opinion um, <laughs> I so <laughs> I dropped Hotel to Luna after oh two really episodes. I it's oh, one yeah. of my favorites like I actually oh, started really? re-watching it before I before this so <laughs> this is a total tangent but I stopped watching Hotel to Luna because they were trying to make IU like this really fabulous villain and I was like I don't see IU as a villain like Period. She's not threatening in any manner. So she's so, she's not a villain in the show. No, I understand. So. <laughs> that. I get that from the promo yeah. and everything and the tiny clips that I've seen on social media. She's not the villain, but she <laughs> is kind of an anti-hero kind yeah. of dude. And like, it just wasn't working for me. I was like, she's a fairy. <laughs> you, know what, no, you know what I'm saying? Knowing you now, that that makes sense. I think going in, being like, I have no, like, I went in because of him, not her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna watch this one because it's fantasy too, because Yojin Gu. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I feel you, and it's a well liked drama. I'm just not one of those people. That's fair. Anyway, um, but- getting back to the Crown Clown, they kill off this poor little palace maid in like episode two. Brutal. She gets yes. poisoned. And I like how the queen is the only person who can be near him. And she gently cleans his hands off because he still has all this blood on his hands. And she's got such a calming effect on not just him, but on the audience, I feel. Because as soon as she enters the frame, I'm like, I'm just so calm and relaxed right now. Like, she's just very ethereal in that way. Um. Something that was not ethereal at all was the heartbreaking episode, like four through five. Hassan's little sister gets raped. Oh my gosh! By the left state counselor's son, and I was just devastated. I was devastated. Like she goes mute and everything from the trauma. It's just it so bad. I I'm glad he got punished a lot for that um i don't so you were okay with well, not okay but you felt like the punishment fit the crime no but at least something happened um. mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well he made a fun distinction though not long after that because he gets scared and leaves the palace and comes back mm-hmm. after you know he finds out what happened to the sister and everything and he's just full of a uh, rage and wants to avenge her his sister like rightfully so and he says, I don't want to kill him. I don't just want to kill the dude. Like, I want him to suffer and be punished for the crime that he committed, not just for me to kill him for some other thing mm-hmm. or punish him for some other misdeed. And I found that really interesting. Like, it's almost delayed satisfaction. Yes. <laughs> and he waited. You know what I'm saying? He waited all that time mm-hmm. to 
have this opportune moment to punish him and brand him for being a rapist. And he not only did that, but he established a new precedent. He was like, I'm going to change the law. How about that? And I was like, damn, like that is like king king material right there. Yeah, I, that was definitely a boss move. Of We're just going to yeah, rewrite absolutely. the law, which the law should have been rewrote where the bottom tier and the the hierarchy there doesn't matter what happens to them. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's punishment for everything except them. Like, are you kidding? <laughs> Didn't you just want to like shoot the guy when <laughs> the kid goes, he's standing in front of the king, right? Mm-hmm. He just got accused of rape. And he did it. He's not denying no. that he did it. But he's, he's like, saying uh, it's it not matter. a crime. <laughs> it doesn't matter because she's a low class uh, kid, like cl- low class girl. I was so it doesn't matter. So angry. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. I just want to throw hands at that point, right? It's and like, then the they're king's still like, a I'm going to punish you anyway. <laughs> I know, like he doesn't think of her as human, and the king uh, Hassan is saying like, oh, I'm going to do all this, and he's like, you can't. Your Highness, you can't do that. Like, who the hell do you think you are? Like, telling me what I can and cannot do. Like, it was just mistake after mistake after mistake with that kid. Um, you talk. Let's talk about like how the side characters and everybody around Hassan fell in love with him because you said earlier that you didn't like that. So, talk to me about that. Like, what do you what do you think in there? I just I. I don't, I don't know what it is about Hassan that just really rubs me the wrong way, where I'm like... What? Honestly, I feel like if I was, like, in his presence, too, like, in that, I'd have been, like, the same of, no, this kid's great, like, whatever. But at the same time, I'm like, everybody's like, oh, we're going to pretend you're the king for a while, and we're going to just fall in line, and you're great and charming, and it's... it's I'm like, he's an actor. Of course he's charming. Like, like he's a clown. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Damn! Like I, I, I don't know. I have trust issues, I guess. So I'd have been like, I don't know that I want to trust this kid. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then like he, Damn. he had his moments where he was hot headed too, and he would go do really stupid stuff that they'd all have to go f- get fixed, or a lot of people were going to die that were trying to help him. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> I also feel like he was very impulsive and yes. decisive in ways that the people around him and the chief secretary were not, and sometimes he. It definitely worked out. Yeah. Pushed things forward in a positive way and made good decisions while he was on the throne. And what was cool was even though he had the chief secretary like breathing down his neck, telling him what to say, telling him, you know, how to comport himself and, you know, memorize this since you can't read and all this stuff. (laughs) As soon as he walks in and he's sitting on the throne, whatever he says goes. Yep. So he he can go rogue, and he does pretty so often. So he went rogue a lot of the time, <laughs> and it was really entertaining to see as an audience member, and it was really satisfying to see also as an audience member because you have a protagonist here with an infa- he's an infallible protagonist, and everyone falls in love with him not just because he's young <laughs> and handsome and charming. Um, they are moved. By him and his impeccable moral compass, by his righteousness and his caring attitude towards the people because he comes from the people. He Mm -hmm. is of that lower class. And so he's making giant changes in the government that is benefiting not just the ruling class. It's benefiting everybody. And it's throwing everybody in a tizzy. (laughs) Yeah. I like the the side where it's the stuff that like helps the more common people like definitely like respect. But it'd be, mm-hmm. like, the other things where he'd just go have, like, a rant and, like, have a fit with, like, the Queen Dowager f- 
because she like slighted the queen or something where I was like, Seriously? okay, I, I, I get it. But I'm like, I'll give you not that. the right I'll move, dude. <laughs> I'll give you that. Yeah, he's kind of going head to head with the queen dowager. And there's a lot of tete-a-tetes between them where you're just like, you don't really have the upper hand here. Yeah. So why are you digging yourself a deep hole? It, you're, you're, other so. people are going to have to clean it up. Or you're going to get somebody killed that you, you're trying to not get killed. <laughs> I can understand where you're coming from. There is a long laundry list of achievements that Hassan did throughout the show. Mm-hmm. And I have them here. So oh. here. Let me, so, <laughs> let me know if I'm missing any. So here we go. He saves the queen's father from an unjust execution. So instead, he exiles him. Mm-hmm. He saves the queen from unaliving herself. Because at one point, she like, took a dagger. She was going to stab herself. Like It was the whole thing. He saves her. Mm-hmm. He recruits the lowborn Hogol, who's like the mathematician, like I the Rain him. Man <laughs> character. He also, yeah. his like crush on Hassan by the end of it was adorable. Adorable. <laughs> Loved it. Yeah. Um, on that vein, he literally steps all over the aristocratic Sun Kwan scholars for Hogol's promotion because mm-hmm. they weren't even letting him in the palace. Like, it makes no sense. But um, he holds special state in- exams where anybody, no matter their station, could sit for. Uh, the tax reform thing where only landowners would have to pay taxes. Uh, refuses to send tens of thousands of soldiers to Ming for their war. And he has these lines that are really w- wonderful. He's like, as a father of this nation, how could I send their my sons to their death and all this stuff? Like, it's a very... <laughs> He takes ownership of the people and he really advocates for them. And I, at that point, he dares all the ministers to personally go to war for Ming if it's so important to them. Like, why don't you just pick up and go? And I was like, damn, it's great. Um, he refuses to depose the queen because she has a little hissy after finding out that he's not the king <laughs> and like yeah. just leaves the palace to go visit her dad in exile and that one was frustrating because it was not on his end but on hers because like i get why she left and then like he had to like save her basically but he couldn't say why he wasn't mad at her right (laughs) and i was like like situationally aggravating (laughs) true he's like he's he's not like well i'm not really who i said i was so she got mad and just like jump shit no he can't say that what he does is he blackmails the queen dowager so that she could return no consequences (laughs) Great idea. Um, he refused to simply kill the left state chancellor's son, which we talked about before. He waits until he can be punished for the crime that he committed and sets a new precedent, all this great stuff. Then he, in the final couple of episodes, crushes the coup from the giant villain team up that happens. <laughs> like, it's like this queen dowager joins hands with the left state counselor and uh, one of the princes prince jimpyong or whatever mm-hmm. was also in the mix and like had developed this army of like three thousand soldiers it was like nuts so all these three people joined hands and were trying to dethrone him that was, was so great. messy was too like, because they were all like plotting against each other at the same time <laughs> nobody was like on their side like nobody was truly loyal to the other person so there was a lot of like in squabbles between them and stuff which is fun like fun to watch (laughs) (sighs) there's so much stuff good stuff that he did and he also stopped the queen from uh unaliving herself a second time (laughs) this oh my god that's right (laughs) 
the second time. And then he he saves her. Like I yeah. said before, he took two two arrows in the back or something. One arrow in the back for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, I really liked speaking of the queen <laughs> in episodes six through seven or so. They go on a date out in the town. Oh, that was so cute. It's <laughs> fucking wonderful. So they eat uh like a stew with tripe and pig's heart and it's kind of like low not low quality cuts of meat but it's just like common a commoner's meal and it's so sweet how she eats it like a champ (laughs) she's like what is this and then he tells her what it is she kind of makes a face and she just he's like well we don't have to eat her if you don't want to she's just like already swallowing the stew (laughs) like it's great um and then she notices this at this point she's like noticing different things about him and she's like it seems like you've eaten this before. And he's like, no, no, no. I, have, <laughs> I, I haven't, haven't done anything. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> they go to buy the compass later and he haggles with the sales guy. And she's like, it seems like you've done this a hundred times before. And he's like, I've never done that before. It's great. <laughs> I really um, liked when he asked her when they were eating and he asked her the yes. question of like, which house would you want to stay in? And she's like, <laughs> this one. And he's like, that's the smallest one here. And she's like, what? Exactly. And it's yeah. like, so I, we don't have to do anything besides turn our heads to see each other. And I was like, oh, I want this kind of love. This is why I'm single. This is, this is what the standard. I'm, this is <laughs> such a good green flag man and such a wonderful, well-spoken lady. Because she's just like, I want that house over there. Small house. Why you want it? <laughs> we just have to turn our heads to look at each other. And it's so sad because in the context of... The palace, they have entirely separate wings that are far from one another. And so she's speaking from experience. She would rather be close to him. Mm -hmm. And she would rather have this long commute home to be with him for longer periods of time. It's just like beautiful, beautiful words. And I adore the queen and that date that they had. It was just beautiful. I think in that episode, though, he gets tossed in the pit. Uh, <laughs> I think it's the next episode. in the tiger pit. Oh, Around no, it there, is the king episode, comes yeah. back. Yeah. King comes back. He gets tossed in the tiger pit. Did you get, like, Dark Knight Rises vibes, or was that just me? Uh, was that just me? It's been a while well, since I've seen those. Okay, okay. <laughs> so Dark Knight Rises, they throw Batman in a pit, basically. Oh, uh, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> and he has to cl- – not at a pit, but it's yeah. like almost looks like a giant well. Mm-hmm. And it's full of, you know, a bunch of other prisoners. And the other way to get out is to climb out. And that's why I'm saying that this scene kind of felt like Dark Knight Rises because he climbs out of this pit and bit by bit he's almost out. There's a flashback of him getting stabbed by the chief secretary and the chief secretary going like, Clown Hassan is dead. You are now the king. Like, very (laughs) dramatic. And just as he's about to essentially get out and be reborn, these wolves descend and push him back down into the pit. And I felt like, oh, this is like a metaphor. This is my thinking cap, right? Mm -hmm. This is like a metaphor for like the beasts of the political system (laughs) that he's trying to overcome and they keep like tearing him down and all this stuff. Yeah, I I quite like that scene. It felt very important. I felt so bad when he fell back down after like the the wolves or whatever showed up. I was just like, oh, oh, he's in so much pain already. Yeah. (laughs) No. Yeah. Uh, But the king comes back and that episode is 
crap because yes. he <laughs> tries to undo everything that Hassan did, even if it was good, out of spite or jealousy or trying so to frustrating. Just reassert himself. <laughs> into the mix and he imprisons the Kisang lady and the Rain Man guy, Hosong, whatever his <laughs> name is. And the chief secretary has no choice but to come back and kneel before him. Mm-hmm. And what the king says is so just diabolical. He says, do not turn your back against me ever again. Should you betray me, I will crush all of your loved ones to death and see everything your Oh, everything in your life, everything you've worked for in your life come to nothingness. And I was like, he said it with a smile on his face. And I was like, damn, yeah, that is pretty bad, pretty sinister. Yeah, he's just not a not a good guy <laughs> all around. Well, let's, fin- let's finish talking about him because in the very next episode, episode eight, the chief secretary kills him. Honestly, as much as I didn't like him, that like death scene – Got to me. I cried. Beautiful. I was like, it was, it was the the emotion, the the betrayal, like the whole like death like speech of like him yeah. like fighting it, and I oh. and like talking about how betrayed he feels, and I'm like, Ugh. yeah, <laughs> my heart. Why do I feel bad for you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You feel satisfaction that he's dying because he's just gone gone completely mad. And you feel so much pity at the same time because his life could have been different. I was just saying like earlier, like he seemed to have been gentle and somewhat caring toward the queen earlier in their marriage. Mm -hmm. And he also did want to enact the tax the landowners law initially. And that just goes to show that he was so twisted and different by the end. There was just no saving him. And the scene is so devastatingly beautiful. The way it's shot, like throughout the show, it's just beautiful cinematography. But this scene with them silhouetted against the beach and the waves and the overhead shots of them, like from a drone or helicopter or something, uh, golden light is just the right vibe. It's just heartbreaking. And that he died the same way that he killed his little brother in episode one. It's just so, so sad. And Chief Secretary... Uh, is pulling through an all-time performance here Mm -hmm. because it's almost as if the king had asked to be killed Mm -hmm. and he's doing it against his better judgment right Mm -hmm. he's doing it because he he wanted to die and that's not the case at all chief secretary like took it upon himself to just kill the king halfway (laughs) through the show and it's so sad and mournful, and especially when the OG king says, I wish you were my father, as he's, like, trying to right. fight it and oh. talking about, like, all this just <laughs> emotional. You, yeah, you could tell so they were emotions. at one point really close. So Yes. Yeah. He's – he doesn't want to do it, but he knows that he has to do it. It's all these things put together just make On- it a very important, poignant scene. <laughs> On a production side, did you catch what they did with the score there? What did they do with the score there? So, Remind me, oh my god. Okay. So so as as he like dies, so the way every episode was ending, um, at least on Netflix, was like the scene like the episode would end and then they would have like the the few like snapshots of like different parts of the like thing and they would have some score playing. It would be different for most episodes, I think, to kind of fit mm-hmm. the vibe. There was no music playing at the end of that. 
So as he dies, it's all you hear is the beach waves. And then when they start doing the photos from uh, earlier in the episode, it's just the beach waves. I I'm just I reeling. I'm just reeling. Oh my god. I as far as I remember, that was the only episode they didn't have some sort of score playing with the photos. So. It's it's done right. You know what I'm it, saying? It was, like, it was show done really it well. Right, yeah. It was done really well. Uh, really well. Damn. Uh damn. Okay. Now going back to uh Hawthorne. Episode 10 and 9, there's like a lot of love vows exchanged between the queen and Hassan. And in episode 10, he does like the scavenger hunt for him, because for her, because he leaves all these notes in the <laughs> library. And I, of course, you have the classic, I miss you, even when I'm looking at you, I miss you line. Mm-hmm. They meet at the highest place in the palace and they kiss and it's so sweet. And she tells him that she wants to have his child. Let's talk about this. <laughs> So <laughs> she tells him that she's ready to have his child or whatever because she had been, of course, denying him the entire time. She doesn't know yet that it's Hassan the clown. It ends up that the queen dowager has been poisoning the queen this whole time for like a few months. And she's now infertile. Heartbroken for her because that is this like is- such a core part of what she's obligated to do as queen. That yes. like – it's part of any, identity. Yeah, any other king would have had to dethrone her pretty much, basically, yeah. to go have it. And he was like, no. Nah. <laughs> like, that does, like, this no, doesn't matter to not. me. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, he goes out of his way to keep it a secret so yeah. that the court doesn't demand that she be dethroned because she can't have any kids. I found this devastating in the best way possible, if you get my drift, because it was proper drama and properly teased throughout the show so that when it came upon us, we weren't like, oh, my God, this came out of nowhere. They're just mm-hmm. pulling stuff out of their hats. No. No, it was there. This was earned. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated that not only did he stick by her, but he – it wasn't like a factor for him. Like he – it didn't affect his love for her mm-hmm. at all. Which is uh, – makes me feel better. <laughs> And their communication was excellent, like, throughout the rest of the the show. And, you know, she is dealing with not just a loss, but it's a loss for, you know, her identity and the reason why she's even, even in the palace. And I love how he just supports her unconditionally. He's like, oh, my God. And, of course, he's upset. Of course, he wants yeah. to kill everybody involved. Of course, he goes... And fights with the Queen Dowager right after he <laughs> finds out. And it's all, you know, how yeah. it is. But, but it's never directed it, at her. So. Yes. You know, it's never, no, no victim blaming or what have you. There's nothing of that. And it just deepens their bond, really. Yeah, I think just that's definitely point. a turning point because she tried to keep it secret from him too. And that's when like her like maid was like, no, I'm going to spill the beans. That's my favorite thing. Right. It's when he comes up to the maid, he's like, tell me what the hell's going on here. Why is the queen sad? She just <laughs> drops. She goes bah, right on her knees. She's like, I'm so sorry. I'm st- I deserve to be punished or whatever the language is. Mm-hmm. And there's like not a time. The queen's like had the secret for what, two hours? Yeah. <laughs> <At the most. laughs> there was no. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked it. Um, she finds his writing. The secret gets out because she finds the scraps of paper that he's been practicing the Chinese calligraphy on. And it's just that's when she leaves the palace. She has 
a really tough reaction to him. She's like, who the hell are you? Um, Don't touch me. Um, How dare you? And she has this really visceral reaction. Um, yeah, I, I don't blame her, but it's it's such a hard point because I'm like, I'd have been like, okay, I don't know who this guy is, but he's clearly better than what I had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because so. she starts like trying to piece it together, like when were they switched? Yeah. And she does realize when the real came, king came back and they had this really bad like consummation night that never happened. And she's like, oh, that wasn't him. Mm-hmm. You know, she's realizing when... Yeah, I this guy was in. I feel like I personally probably would have like maybe not in the best judgment just been like, no, I'm fine with this. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly getting raped. Guy who actually treats me nice, y- you know? And like- that's the thing is like she is <laughs> and they were saying the the chief secretary was saying that she's going to dump you as yeah. soon as she finds out who you are because she is so upright and yeah formal so. and she she does end up against her yeah. fighting against her guilty conscience and she ends up doing like three days of mourning for the mm-hmm. the og king because of course she does even though it's like terrible to her and then she's like fully on board she's like okay you're you're the king that's yeah. it I, I i think it fits her character well it just putting myself in the position i definitely would have been like no this is fine <laughs> Like, yeah, <laughs> like I, I'd have been on board way sooner. I would not have tried to throw myself off a cliff. <laughs> no, yeah, there was something about her trying to unalive herself after that that was just like, oh, girl, don't like, come on, it's he a was guy. wonderful to you. Yeah, yeah, he was just lovely to you. Just <laughs> accept the man and move on. The villain left state counselor catches Hassan in the lie with the dagger around episode twelve, thirteen. And originally, the left state counselor was like, oh, yeah, you had you had this dagger given to you by the Ming and all this stuff. Complete li- yep. lie fabrication because it was a gift from the previous king to commemorate him becoming the crown prince, whatever. I loved, loved when he threw the two coins at the yes. left state counselor and was like, I am that dog that cost two coins or whatever <laughs> and reveals who's his true identity to him. And is full of, like, vigor and confidence and, like, <laughs> swagger. And you're just like, yeah, like, damn, get it. <laughs> I I think I was so concerned with what was going to happen next that I wasn't really, like, super, like, into the moment, even though it was a really cool moment. But I was like, okay, you got a problem. Why are you so mm-hmm. chill about it to where you can be, like, like this? Cause- <laughs> well, I think he was just like, well, the jig is up. Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. Let me come into it, like, with a little bit of – a swagger and just own it you know own yeah. up to it i just i it would have put me straight in a panic i'd have been like mm. oh no i would have been crying like i'm the type of person that if someone yells at me or starts screaming at me for whatever reason i just start crying so same same if though if they had caught me in a lie i would have just been like <laughs> i just want to start crying right there oh, don't man. kill me the real king tried to don't kill me i swear forced me anyway. to do this yeah, <laughs> I don't think I would have taken out the two coins and <laughs> thrown them at the man who has my secret. Anyway, uh, what was brutal as well was that they killed her dad, the queen's dad, oh. after he was finally exonerated. Yeah, so close to like a real reunion, and it's taken away. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but after that, she grieves. It's it's terrible. But he ta- but Hassan takes her to the beach in like episode fourteen, and I adore 
this conversation that they have, not just the cinematography and the way it's, it's just gorgeous, right? Mm-hmm. She says, I will engrave this scenery on my heart so that I may come back to it even after we return to the palace. And he says, when spring comes, let's go see the flowers. And summer, we will stand in the rain together. And in the fall, how about we go gathering chestnuts? And he's making plants. Like that's a <laughs> year's time, right? <laughs> to get back to the winter where they're now at the beach. And she says as much. She's like, it seems like we're going to be together for a while. And it's just beautiful, beautiful lines, very romantic. And it soothes her, you know? Mm-hmm. And it also kind of hints at the ending, right? Where they leave the palace because in all those scenarios of them standing in the rain together, seeing the flowers, gathering chestnuts, there's not really an implication that they're in the palace when they do that. They are Mm -hmm. free and outside of the restrictions of the palace. And so I think that was a hint at the ending, which is they're free of the palace and all of the politicking that we had seen throughout the entire show. (laughs) So I really like that. Um, that's just so nice. I One of the top at things, top scenes in the show. Chief Secretary throws it in the Queen Dowager's face that he killed her son. <laughs> in very classic, like, puts salt in an open wound to get a confession out of somebody. Mm-hmm. That details of how her poor, innocent son died, and she just loses it. <laughs> and... What's sad to me is that the the OG king was so blinded by paranoia that he ordered the killing of this innocent kid, but Hassan is the one that has to pay the consequences for what his doppelganger did. Mm-hmm. And I find that really interesting. I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to that because I feel like that's kind of like, I don't know, there's something about that that. Makes me yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I guess I hadn't really thought about that too much. But yeah, like when it came to the Queen Dowager, really her vendetta was against the OG queen, uh, king. So everything yeah. she did was because of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how yeah. he wasn't the legitimate uh, heir to the throne. And and like that was her whole thing. So honestly, her hatred towards Hassan wasn't really warranted. It was more of just because he was in the wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she so. and I, like we were saying before, how certain characters had shades of gray. I feel like she has shades of gray because she has every right to be upset and angry that her son was killed. Like, never mind installing him on the throne. Mm-hmm. He was straight up Mert. Yeah. And so. for no reason, obviously, he had no nothing, no traitorous thoughts or anything coming from like the 10 year old or whatever. Mm-hmm. So... I found that really intriguing to think that she had reason. She was well within reason to try and like overthrow Hassan, even if he was the was the clown, like wasn't even the real king. It's just like you're representing pain, pain to me. Mm-hmm. You've wronged me where you are. Anyway, um, the chief secretary found this really important as well, where he finally swears fealty to Hassan oh and gosh. that he reveals that he held back trusting him for fear that the throne would corrupt him just like the OG king. But after everything, Hassan remains righteous and empathetic. And despite the chief secretary revealing that he unilaterally killed the OG (laughs) king, Hassan is like, 
takes the blame. He's like, this is my fault too for because I wanted to be king. And it obviously means that one of us had to go. Mm-hmm. And it's when he says that, you just see it like the gears turning in the chief secretary's head. Mm-hmm. And he just kneels down he does, before and then, him and then Hassan, for the first time. And then Hassan, <laughs> Hassan kneels down in that, that whole scene. Oh my gosh. <laughs> when just- Hassan kneels down, I'm just like, this is too perfect like it's (laughs) it was such a moving moment of like mutual respect for each mm -hmm, other and mm -hmm. and finally coming to a real understanding and trust on both sides because there wasn't trust on either side Mm -hmm. yeah that was i I loved it i really liked the secretary i'm not gonna lie he was like i i didn't fully understand everything with him because there was like the the one guy that died before the show started that they kept mentioning and then there was like that whole yeah. like group of people that they kept meeting out in the woods. <laughs> and like Yeah, he was an extremist leader or yeah. <laughs> incel yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah, and they didn't I feel like they didn't do as good of a job kind of like dealing with that whole subplot. <laughs> right. Because he was basically undercover yeah. in the government, still trying to do his best yeah. which, to get which, the agenda which he was doing but direction. it was like they didn't really explain like who these other people are like obviously like some sort of extremist but like outside of that yeah. it was like there's some guy who died um <laughs> here's this book <laughs> like i don't know like are you just common people or like exiled or like right. I, I i i that was one of my issues with the show i will say is like that whole like story arc just kind of came and went as needed without explaining I anything oh. i agree <laughs> Yeah, they did a bad job explaining like why he was meeting these people in the bamboo forest and why they were mad at him. I guess he like because of his part in the killing of their leader. Yeah. And then he stayed basically in power in the government while everyone else had to like deal with it and like become peasants and try and make ends meet some other way and live their lives some other way. You know, they held it against him. <laughs> yeah, like it sounded and, like it was pretty valid what they did, but no, yeah. <laughs> but it was like I wish I had some kind of like connection to it to where I could care about these random people because it would make more sense why he's like kneeling on the ground trying to ask for forgiveness. Right. <laughs> and I was like, uh, we True. can we can skip these scenes. Yeah, I mean, it just wasn't written quite well. Um I think we're already towards the end game episodes though in our in our talk and I'm not sure if there's anything else you wanted to say about it other than this part was satisfying to me. I had no issues with, you know, the whole coup and them trying to work it out. How is Hassan going to strategize his way out of this without the chief secretary by his side? He's rising to the occasion. He's planning things out. They never find the treacherous letter and it gets thrown in their faces at the assembly. All that stuff. I Found that fine, perfectly adequate. Yeah, I think it was okay. I I think from not understanding kind of that time period in like Korea too much of like all of a sudden they keep meeting and they keep telling each other what they're gonna do. <laughs> I was like, why? Yeah. Why are you telling people what you're gonna do? Like, why does it take so long to dethrone the queen dowager? Like they're <laughs> they're even they in the end game of episodes they were like, you're not technically dethroned yet, so you could just take the throne. And she was like, you're right. So. There was some of that where I was like, okay, how long have they been talking about dethroning her? They had ample time to just send her away. She was banished to the West Wing. Like, I don't understand. There was a little bit of, like, questions there that were lingering. But I think the last thing that I have in my notes had to do with 
Hassan having a one-on-one with the Queen Dowager, and it's a culmination for me. <laughs> All his troubles with his confidence or feeling inadequate or out of his depth in the palace are all gone here. He's literally standing toe to toe with her and there are there's no rage or explosive outbursts to make him seem lesser than her. Mm-hmm. They're on equal playing fields and she's talking all this shit about social status and royal blood <laughs> and he's countering her with a full open heart and integrity talking about behavior, how can you act this way? And at one point, he says, like, blood is all you have. And I was like, ooh. (laughs) And he wins. Like, he wins their talk, their argument or whatever in this tete-a-tete that they have. And I was like, this is strong kingly shit that he's doing here. And then he just walks away. He's like, bye. Like, no. (laughs) He's not really worried that she called him there to kill him. Like, he's just there to buy time and show face. And it's wonderful. I really like that. Yeah, that was definitely a good scene. But yeah, overall, like the last like ending, like the last few episodes with like the the coup and everything, it was like it was mostly well done, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Okay, and then we already talked about the last twenty minutes, so we don't have to do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, is uh. there any other? Th- oh <laughs> God, any other notes that you have about the Crown Clown? No, I think that was that was everything. I just I had like these just random like comments that were really funny. Like when um when the secretary stabs Hasun to so to mimic the scar from Oh bro. Right? Bro. <laughs> My it was so funny when it happened and, and then Hasun goes, You're telling me not to run away or die and then why'd you stab me? And I was like, That's <laughs> such a mood And then like my next note goes, Oh, there is a reason <laughs> Right. Well I'm confused about I guess, why did he march him up this giant mountain only to, like, drag him nearly to the edge of the cliff and then stab him directly in the chest and give this super dramatic line, like, the clown Hassan is dead. Like, the ki- you are now the king. And for what? Like, you could have just done this somewhere else. Like, I don't know. It was it's for just the so precarious. <laughs> yeah, it's for the, it's, yeah, it's for the gram, you know, just for show. Not for any particular reason did he, like, drag him up there. And he was, like, heavily heavily breathing. He had sweat all over him. Like, it was a trek to get up there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I think it was a, a bit of symbolism, really, of, like, I think is where it comes from, of, like, like, like the disclosure of, like, your your real life and, and like, starting of a new life. We're going to more or less toss the old life off the off the cliff here. Um, I, th- I think that was the point of that, of we're going to do this here. And also, there's so many eyes in the walls of the palace that I feel oh, like yeah. I'm just stabbing <laughs> him in there. <laughs> like, it's just asking somebody to walk in right at the wrong moment. <laughs> yeah. Here's my thing, too, is that they're often, like, having important conversations between one another, revealing conversations between one another. And I'm like, so look, the w- the walls are literally made of paper. Right. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's no way that there's nobody else that hears this and knows your story and the secret. So it was kind of funny to me. It's it's a recurring thing in Sagooks where they're like, mm-hmm. shut the doors, everyone leave the room. And I'm like, they're standing right outside the yeah. door. Like they all of your attendants are there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh it's it's definitely a problem I have in like <laughs> 
all of the historical dramas I watched, but there is the the one with the Lee Min Ho. Um, Faith? No, 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 no. It's 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 modern day like palace stuff. But I, I let me. I, oh, uh, um, the King Eternal Monarch. Yes, yes, that one. They actually okay. pointed out in that one. Um, <laughs> they're like, because it's like somebody's literally yeah. standing there, and they're like, "Yeah, I was listening on the other side of the wall." <laughs> and I was like, "Thank you. I'm glad it's acknowledged somewhere." Right. It's literally a paper. <laughs> it's literally like you could poke a hole yep. through that and it make no difference. Anyway, um, <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking for an extended length of time on a very well done saga. I think you can agree it's pretty well done despite yeah. your, your qualms with it and your low <laughs> score for it. I would still recommend it to people who like uh-huh. this type of show because it's just yeah. not for me personally. Gotcha. So. But I, I think yeah. it was really well done. The acting is amazing. The production amazing. is amazing. Yeah. Um, even like the little subtle things with like the score, like with the the episode where the king dies, um, and then it's just the beach waves <gasps> is all you hear. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> like I'm getting emotional all over again. It's just so good. Well so, done. So no, I good I catch. would still recommend it, even though I personally wasn't super super into it. <laughs> oh, fair. I would definitely recommend it. I think it's actually quite underrated because I just don't see people talking about the crown clown like they should. You know, people (laughs) are talking about Hotel de Luna same year. What are we doing? Why aren't we talking about the crown clown? Like, come on. Anyway. uh, Yeah. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much for being game to watch 16 hours of television (laughs) with me. (laughs) Uh, I had so much Um, fun. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm so glad. Every time someone's like, I had so much fun. I'm like, oh. That is music to my ears. I love to hear it. Um, where can people find you online, Alex? Um, well, the podcast is on all the platforms. Uh, and then I am on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm slowly getting into TikTok, but I don't know what I'm doing. So it's just kind of there. Um, yes. I'm mostly on Instagram, I think, at this point. So Okay, nice. So yeah. follow her at Bin. Yep. Wow. I'm so sorry. <laughs> at Bin. I have that right. Yes. Right? Okay, perfect. Definitely give Alex a follow. She's wonderful. She will talk to you about K-pop, K-drama, anything how you wave. She's a really great friend on the socials. So I, again, want to thank you so much for coming on this humble podcast. (laughs) And I think that's it. That's a wrap for The Crown Clown. That's been our show. I'm Jessica, and this has been the Debaki Rambles podcast.